Unfiltered, DBE Diverse Business Elite Magazine's premier podcast. We bring you the voices of today's renowned societal leaders and community stakeholders who contribute to making a difference, talking about what they do, how they got there, and what they're thinking about in the sometimes controversial world of diversity, inclusion, and race relations. In this episode, I'm the kind of person I see something, I, I'll say something, or I'll get involved. I would like to be a part of the solution. Our company spotlight is on Bettina Mason, founder and CEO of Mason Education Solutions, a company built on the foundation of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Welcome, Bettina. Let's start by telling me briefly about your upbringing, where you grew up, and what it was like. Wow. Um, I had an outstanding upbringing. because it was a, a village per se. Um, I grew, I, I was born in Tokyo, Japan, and my oh. dad was in the Air Force, and I was born in Tachikawa Air Base, Tokyo, Japan. And then we moved and we lived, we were stationed in Germany, at Frankfurt, Germany. My mom and my dad, my mom's a school teacher. She taught for 44 years special education. So she taught wherever my dad would um, be sta- was, was stationed. And then we went to um, Texas, San Antonio, Texas. We just mentioned Texas. And my sister mm-hmm. was born. So um, my dad passed away in an automobile accident while we were in Germany. And so I was three and my sister was one. And so we moved back to the States. And when I say the village, uh, my mom bought a house sight unseen and had my my um aunt Faye to go over and look at the house so Mm -hmm. at that time my aunt my grandma and her three kids were living somewhere else and then when we moved back back to the states it was myself my well I'm doing I'm an English person so I don't know why I put myself first it was my mother Peggy Sue Mason (laughs) you heard it right Peggy Sue Mason Peggy Sue and um, Kelly my sister and myself And then my aunt, my grandma, and her three kids, we all lived together in one household. Oh, wow. In a five-bedroom house. So that's where the village came into play. And so, I I mean, amazing, amazing. um, My sister and I were in everything. My mom were in ballet, tap, tennis, swimming. Um, (laughs) We did band in school, um, in both middle and high school. And then my mom afforded us the opportunity to travel um, to Europe every year when my sister was in seventh grade and I was in ninth. We're two years apart. And we would travel to Europe every year up until my sophomore year in college. So we would go on these groups with um, our teachers. And I eventually was that kind of person, was a teacher 
and took kids on the trip. So we would go to Europe. We would do um, three and a half weeks, 13 countries. We traveled. Wow. Eight. Oh, this is outstanding. So when we were studying the studying in class, you know, these places where we would study history and so forth, we had touched it. We had seen it. And so my mom was good like that as far as our education was concerned. Um, she was definitely a person you couldn't, we could not work during our high school time period. She was just said to, you know, make sure you focus on your studies. Mm-hmm. And I was an athlete and played in the band, just like I said. My sister, she was super academic um, person. She read a billion books, and so that's why she went to Yale. And I went to James Madison University undergrad and grad. So we had an outstanding, outstanding um, childhood. My And my mom, yeah. being a teacher herself, um, made sure that we were in places that we can learn, surrounded by great people, caring people as well. And she taught us that, to be uh, caring as well. So um, I see that you have degrees from James Madison University. Why did you choose that university in particular? Well, when I went at the time, I went in at, in 1987, and um, I was early admissions to Hampton University. Um, I was very interested in Hampton, and um, just because um, of what they offered, but they had a black freshman weekend there because there was not a lot of minorities there when I went there. Um, I think maybe under a 1,000. And you know how large JMU is, but I'm sure they've grown more since we've been there in 87. And so I went there for that and just looked around and just, I I felt good about it. I felt good about it. And I decided to go to James Madison University. They looked, when we went to that weekend, we were, you know, of course you get the student ambassadors, people taking you around campus, showing you um, the various things that are there, but they just had a lot to offer. And I wanted to be the very first woman sports commentator because uh. I love sports. <laughs> but they, <laughs> it didn't happen. So, but I well, decided to go there because of the rich richness and its, um, the ability, not the richness, but the ability to show and care about minorities. And wh- where I came from, I went to a predominantly um, um, like high school and same with my elementary school. I mean, same with my middle school. Um, but I get along with everybody. I've never met a stranger. So that didn't really have a problem. I didn't have a problem going anywhere. Um, but they just, they had something to offer me that I felt like I needed to go there. And I met the people at that weekend and we've been lifelong. Some of those people have been lifelong friends since. So That's I went there awesome. for the academic, yeah, and the communication department was, was awesome at that time period, and that's what I was going for, the communication arts, public relations, and so forth. Beautiful. Well, how would you describe your leadership style? Um, I am a, I'm, I, I have an innate leadership ability. It's in my system. It's in my body. It's mm-hmm. because I have always been that person. I'm very observant. I, I care about people, um, and but also have to add in that I can follow people. I don't want people to ever think that since you're a leader, 
You can't follow. I can follow. But with leadership, um, I look around. I, I take everyone's everyone's feel, um, uh, everyone's uh, contributions into uh, um, to effect. Um, I, I listen to them um, very carefully. I observe people. I feel what people are feeling. Um, somebody called me empath one time, but um, uh-huh. I just feel what people are feeling. And I want them to contribute because if you don't, you don't have that diverse, um, those diverse ideas, those newer ideas. You don't see it from, you see it from a different angle. And mm-hmm. I've always been that person to be inclusive. And, yeah. um, and, and I, it seems like I've been in spots and places, you know, where people just are scared to speak up and they don't want to do it. They're afraid and I'll do it. <laughs> I'll be the voice of the voiceless. And encourage others. And encourage others to do it. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I've brought out the quiet ones, the the people that were afraid. And I'm like, you have it in you. Just say it. You know what you need to do. Um, uh, I don't think I like the word coach. I I don't know. I like people that are coaches. But I don't know. I think it was so used so much. I'm an encourager. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a cheerleader for you. I'm an advocate for you. Um, I am a, as I said, a voice of the voiceless, um, to the voiceless. And I just don't, and I don't like bullies. So if I see something like that in, in effect, I just don't want that to happen. I don't want anything to happen to you like that. I will speak up for you. I'm not, I'm not afraid to do so. And I'll do it in a way that It'll be detail-oriented that you will understand where we're coming from. James Madison University lists among their values diversity, and they Mm. say we strive to be an inclusive community that values the richness of all individuals and perspectives. How do you relate to that? I relate to it. um, I'm the kind of person I see something, I'll say something, or I'll get involved. And just like my, just like Mason Education Solutions um, group, I would like to be a part of the solution and come to the table and be a part of the table. So of those solutions and be a resource. And I live that. So my, the company is like that because I live it. It's my passion. It's what Mm -hmm. I do. And when, the, the Jane, I was actually on um, the diversity task force for JMU during the um, 2020 years when, when the unrest was happening in the world, and mm-hmm. so I was just on that with the climate. So they we did a climate survey. Um, did it's a two it was a two year project. Um, I was on there because I want to be a part of the solution and throw throw out throw my information or my suggestions or my side, my views of what's happening as a black woman in society. So, mm-hmm. and they welcome that. JMU welcomes the, your voice. JMU welcomes your experiences. They welcome you to the table. And so I was on that task force. I was on the task force for renaming buildings on our uh, on the um, advisory committee for we just renamed buildings in our um, on our campus. 
which was outstanding. Um, yeah, I get involved. And so JME welcomes those persons that are, want to be involved. So how has your background and experience prepared you to be effective in an environment that holds this value? Um, the experiences of one being born. <laughs> okay. Yep. I am a black woman in America. <laughs> and, um, so there you go. That's, uh, that puts me on uh, definitely a different le- one of those levels that's, um, in that minority, uh, that minority arena of diverse, diversity. Um, as I grow, grew up, um, you can, you know, I would be the only black woman in the room or the girl, little girl in the room. Um, which I have no problem because guess who who they're gonna remember me? Uh huh. <laughs> yep. Gonna remember. If you me. were the only one, you can count on that. <laughs> you can count on that, sister. Yes. Yeah. So um, going through college, you know, various places, and then also I, I remember the time I was in a classroom. I think it was an English class. I wasn't for sure. I'm not sure if it's a history or English, but the the professor who was um. Uh, a Caucasian man was talking about the Sistine Chapel. So it must have been, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. I can't remember what it was. Uh, but he was talking about the Sistine Chapel, and he was adamant that this, and he was explaining something about it. And I just listened because I didn't want to embarrass him or anything like that. Um, but it was one of those classrooms where it goes straight up like a, you know, like the, what do you call those, seminar-type classrooms? And we were in an old building. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, he just kept saying, I think I raised my hand. I was like, um, yeah, um, that's pretty, that's not, 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 mm-mm, that's not how it looks on this, what he was talking about. <laughs> he said, yeah, yes it is. Yes it is. I said, um, no, 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 it's not. I said, it looks like this. And he said, no, um, well, I don't know if I was, I probably was more, more black people in the classroom, but it was not that many. But he was just kept going. And I guess he looked at me like that I couldn't have, I don't know what I was talking about. Why would I have yeah. studied system chapel? What? Mm-hmm. And he goes, and I said, look, I mean, I got tired. I said, look, I've been there several times, and this is what this is, is et cetera, et cetera. And then he's like, <laughs> oh. Yeah, so those type of experiences where you think, you think I don't know anything because uh-huh. of my color of skin, or you think I've never been anywhere before in my life. Mm. I have. So I did yeah. let you talk for a little bit. <laughs> and I just go ahead and let you know that this is what my experiences are. So please don't count me out. A, as a woman. You oh, know, yeah. sometimes we're counted out just because there are women. And then definitely don't count me out because I'm a black woman. Right. So uh, those experiences, which I enjoy because, and I, and I, I think those those I don't even want to call them stumbling blocks. Those and that's not even that wasn't even an obstacle. They're just those learn those experiences that have moved me forward to know, let people know or for me to know to be strong, um, to have um, value um, for myself, self value, self worth. Um, I have the ability to do anything. Nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible for me. That's beautiful. So, so that, with that, that, and my mom taught us that too. My mom taught yeah. us that as well. 
Would you say in your present position that there's a lot of diversity, and what impact have you had on the diversity climate? Well, um, yes, it's it's all it's, it's I don't I don't think it's ever ending it's because it's it's ever growing and it's always some nuances to the areas of as you can see it started with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now it's mm-hmm. diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. So it's 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 like you know the, it's, I don't want to say survival of the fittest, but it's adding on to it as people are seeing what it looks like to them or their company. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, we go into um, companies and areas or places and make sure that we're going to be uh, more tailored-made. We want to be a tailor-made resource, the resource and give them the tools that they need to fit their, their, um, their issues, I don't want to say issues, their pain points, their areas where they need to improve upon. So it's ever growing and it's ever changing depending on where you are, what's happening in the climate of either your international, national, local, state, and so forth. So what we go in to do is give you those resources and help you to help you to tailor. We can tailor make those resources for you in order that we can um, make sure that you um, have the productivity and the sustainability that is necessary to be more successful. Um, you're, you know the old adage of give a man the – teach a man a fish and uh-huh. he'll live a lifetime. You know, if you just give them the fish or you just give them the answers or you just give them the information, uh, whereas, you know, they don't make it applicable. They don't apply it. I've uh-huh. seen this and I've been to many of training myself going to those trainings where I'm like, okay, oh, wow, look at all, I'm taking copious notes. Wow, that's outstanding. And then you get back to the the school and it's like, uh, we did nothing. Oh. As a school to do this. So you go into a company on a consulting basis and Mm -hmm. do an overview of how things are happening in the company and then make recommendations? We go into the company. We go into those um, educated areas, companies, um, schools, uh, Mm -hmm. albeit whatever the name would be, the companies. Yes, companies is a better term for it. Um, And then we do a discovery, have a discovery meeting. We see what Uh your pain points, what are you looking for. Um, And then we do a survey. You could take a survey at that time period and get a, a gist of, you know, you know, sometimes leaders, they, they think they know, but they mm-hmm. may not know anything. But once the anonymous surveys come in, we'll take those surveys and take a look at that and report back in a um, systemic way that mm-hmm. you could, they would, the leadership would understand because you know we have to get leadership buy-in to do anything. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that since you called us or maybe if I've gone to you or talked to you in some way that you're, you're thinking like, ooh, we might need some help in this area. So we do, we do a discovery meeting, and then we go from there and see how long it will take to what, what time period, timeline that they have for, you know, for because usually it's professional development work for, for educators, especially for secondary ed teachers. Um, sometimes they're put out um, – they. They take them mostly could take them mostly in the summer, 
or or they have professional development days that they have throughout the year that are on their calendar days in the year. I've been on those calendar committees. And so we have to do meet them meet them where they are as far as their the time and availability that is necessary, and then we go from there and see how we can fit it in. And hopefully, um, throughout we will can be able to do a train the trainer, and then they have the ability to go at their own pace. They can do it at more of a self paced um, type, or you can do in a modules that they can um, you can put them on online and they can go at at a self pace and get a certificate at the end. Excellent. So it's, it's very place but we first go in to do to do the discovery um meeting to see what we're gonna be working with so we can make sure that we have the tailor made resources for them. What do you see as the most challenging aspects of an increasingly diverse academic community and what steps have you taken to meet such challenges? I think most of the challenges is the, is the getting the, um, the buy-in, first of all, from leadership. You have to get that first. Mm-hmm. And so whereas you um, leadership may or may not see that there, there are some issues that are going on uh, or may not see that that's a priority, then it may go to the wayside. And then also, you know, change is very hard for many people, uh, whereas you can go into um, – then we're going to switch that around. Leadership may see there's the issue, or they may be doing it because that's the trend. I saw yeah. a lot of places that are doing it because it was the trend, because of um, the um, the unrest that was happening in the world in 2020, along with the pandemic, along with George Floyd, and a oh. lot of those things that came about. And then companies were doing maybe check the box. Oh, oh we need to jump on this to see how we fare in this in, in our in our way we're doing things, are we doing right by our our um, employees or our mm-hmm. teachers, except and so forth? So you, the leadership buy-in, the the um, the hesitancy of change. People mm-hmm. may not want to change, or mm-hmm. they may not want to see that they may have something in them that would constitute change. And so this brought up a lot of um, reflective moments in the world and in life to try to look at what we're doing, each other, all of us, to look at what we're doing to to be better, to do better mm-hmm. for our to, to, for our fellow man, and that's that's for everyone, whether you would be an allyship in in that area for um, DE and I and DEI and B, where whether you're the person that, um, again, look at themselves, the reflective moments, and then make that change. So I saw the, I see the leadership, the inability to change, or the hesitancy of change, and then applying it. Because I'm, you know, we're still, I, I, I think I was reading an article where people are like, oh, DEI, DEI, it's kind of old. But no, we have to change with it. We have mm-hmm. to improve upon it in order mm-hmm. for it to work. We have to actually do it and not say it. We have to not talk about it. We have to be about it, mm-hmm. be about the work. I saw so. that your your personal motto is the same as one of my personal mottos, which is be the change that you want to see in the world. And that yes. goes right into what you just said. Yes. Yeah. Yes, be the change. I'm actually, Catherine, get ready to get a tattoo. 
that has those words on my arm. I believe in it so much. I do. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I do. I do believe in that. And that's another one of James Madison's um, um, uh, mottos is um, be the change. Just be the change. And they do, and that's what they constantly do. I'm, I'm in a group, Women for Madison, that works with scholarships and to, um, to raise scholarship monies for those persons that are, that are either first generation, they need the money, um, to go to school and they don't have that money. So women, women for Madison have collectively come together and last year raised $1.1 million for 25 students to go to school. Well, so, again, be the change that you want to see in the world. What are your thoughts on developing partnerships with the private sector and community organizations? Um, well, that follows into my um, I've never met a stranger. I'm a proponent of, of partnerships and collaborative um, of efforts mm-hmm. because if you if you don't have something or if you don't have the tool or if you have not thought about the tool, maybe somebody else. And that's why I like to get into a collective uh, a meeting and make the, get those collaborative uh, juices flowing because uh-huh. you're like, oh, God, that is such a great idea. I'm actually on an um, advisory committee here in Roanoke with Goodwill, and they're building a um, – we have a food desert, and so they're building what they call the Melrose Plaza. And so they're – on the, I, again, I'm jumping in that mosh pit of life. Um, I see it. I'm like, hey, I'd like to be a part of this. And so they're going to have a area because of surrounding the area. Uh, we're looking at wellness. We're looking at they're looking at the holistic person, mind, body, and spirit. They have a bank. They're going to have a bank. They're going to have a wellness center. They're going to have an education center. They're going to have areas where people can come in and learn about going, where they can go to school. So I believe in that. I'm a proponent of community partnerships and bringing in the collective and collabor- collaborating on coming with, up with a plan that is going to reach the most people and help the most people. And, you know, I've always felt that the more diverse anything is, the the better it is from the standpoint of if you're just one person doing a thing, then you're just one person. If you've got 20 people doing mm-hmm. that thing, you have 20 different perspectives. Yes, and it's so so important, it's imperative that we invite those people to the table. Yeah. And those persons that you see sitting in the corner and you think they may not want to come to the table, then, you know, I teach, if you're not invited to the table, then go sit at the table anyway and tell uh-huh. them what you're coming for and let them know what you're, com- what you, what you're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Let them know. Because it may or may not have recognized you or seen you. You know, some people don't see those persons in the I'm very observant, very observant. And it's those persons that will sit by themselves or sit over in a corner or quiet. Mm-hmm. I ask them first, what do you think? What do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. That's what I used to do when I used to teach while I was a um, ninth grade English teacher. Well, what do you think about that? Awesome. And they would, I was like, who, me? Like, you see me? You have uh-huh. to see people. You have oh, to yeah. see people. Meet them where they are in order for them to, to make the connection in order to move forward. And that's what I would do for my kids. 
You know, we would we did Romeo and Juliet. I think I mean I think it's boring. It's so boring. But I would get a book that was side by side. So one side had this is in Dallas. And the other side said, oh, yeah, Romeo went down the street and he talked to his friends and he's like, hey, what's going on? And I was kind of mimicking and do some things for them. They were like, oh, yeah, Miss Mason, yeah, the, the, they did this. And, the, and they would get great grades because I met them where they were. It was not boring. We had a great time doing it. And so you have to make things um, – you have to make those connections in order for you to, to, to peak the understand to peak the interest to get the engagement in order that we can move forward to success. If you had the power to change one thing in education, what would it be and how would you go about implementing that change? Well, um, what I noticed, well, what my company works with is on the portion of, you know, the value in order that teachers, I mean, the order that the people above, the leadership, and I mean going further above, not just the principal, going further on into state, into national, is to recognize the teacher as being on the front line and knowledgeable of what is happening in her their classroom, he or she's classroom, mm-hmm. knowing that they are the most valuable piece of this equation, mm-hmm. noticing the, of the a puzzle, I should say, piece of the puzzle, and staff that are there, and the even to the janitors, know, and the aides that are there. We are valuable. The people on the front line are valuable. And then we also, in turn, have to teach or help those persons that are on the front line know and teach self-efficacy and to teach them that they are valuable and how they go about being valued. Once you feel valuable to something, you're going to make it your the your your obligation. Not obligation. I don't like that word. Your own to project. make it. Your, yeah, you're 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 gonna you're gonna learn to be more passionate about your subject area. You're gonna you're gonna be more. Um, I think so fast, Catherine. That's why I, I lose my train of thought. So you're just going to be more, you're just going to be more available in your own mind to know that you can take on challenges, that you can handle tasks, that mm-hmm. you can be there to help your students learn. And that moves into self-care. And, but all in all, in all the thing that I would help to change would to show or to teach leadership. Look and look, see what you have. You may have, you, you say so, but you're not showing it. You're not showing it. And therefore, those teachers on the front line, then I would say to them, these are some of the things that we could possibly do, like some workshops, some retreats, and to help you know how valuable you are. What achievement are you most proud of? That I am an educa- educator. And education is power. Education is um, having the knowledge. Knowledge is key. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, people will run all over top of you because they think you don't know anything. They think mm-hmm. you don't know. And I, you think you don't know dot, 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 because you don't, they'll, they'll try to turn, they'll try to, they'll try to sway you. They'll try to, uh, tell you something differently. They'll try to, uh, bully you. Those mm. things. But once you have that knowledge, 
Like, I have kids that I've seen that are pharmacists that are, that I help to, to, to get up, that there's a, um, a, it's called a Centennial Scholarship at James Madison University. I've helped, like, five students get the Centennial Scholarship, and that's a free four-year ride to JMU. Ooh. Free. And for minority students, and they give them the computer, you have to maintain a B average or above. They mm-hmm. give you, um, you have to do um, community service. I help. You have to, being an educator has given me the opportunity to help a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I've taught over a thousand some kids, and then with this company, the ability to teach adults as well. Educator, being an educator is my biggest accomplishment. One time I looked at myself and I, in reflection, I said, I mean, God, what am I supposed to be doing? I just do not know. And then the epiphany was, and my purpose is educating and helping the most people that I could possibly do when I get up every morning. That's what I pray. Give awesome. me the opportunity to help as many people as I possibly can today. And being an educator, it gives you that opportunity, that that autonomy, that that open um, opportunity to help as many people as I possibly can. I do believe and I that learn you from just, them. I think you just answered my my next question, which is, <laughs> what are your what are your future plans professionally? I think you just answered that. Well, futurally is to, to grow this business a lot larger, to have the opportunity to uh, have uh, speaking engagements, to 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 talk, to, to work with more companies that are looking for, um, you know, per- educators, persons to come in there to help their company grow, that so they can have, you know, you know, a lot of most of the companies that you work with, they want that productivity. That's mm-hmm. number one. Productivity is one. So, but if, what about having productivity and sustainability? Teaching, give, teaching the man the fish. So, oh, yeah. I want to grow this company. I want to be able to help people empower educators and give mm-hmm. them the knowledge and skills necessary, you know, to, to be able to teach the people that are going to be leaders in this world. We have such a powerful job. Mm-hmm. We have a powerful job, and so I want to be able to go out there. And you know, the three C process is the communication, collaboration, and consistency. Ah, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, those were the things that I saw missing when I was a school teacher. Three: mm-hmm. communication, clear trans- transparency, collaboration. Let's get it together. Let's all come to the table, and not one mm-hmm. person or two people making the decision. And consistent, being consistent about what you're saying and not switch it out because it's always questions. It was continuous questions about what we're supposed to be doing. We need to do our job in helping the kids. Um, Mm -hmm. Me, for me, Mason Education Solutions Group, my job is to, again, help as many people as I possibly can to empower people, to engage in order, what am I looking for, to engage people to engage the leaders, to engage with their employees, mm-hmm. and and get the collective 
together and invite those persons to the table. I want to grow my business in that area and let people know who I am and what what I want to do for the world because it's like a ripple effect. It's mm-hmm. a ripple effect. You give them tools to use, you empower them, and then you take the training wheels off. It's, well, you know, I'm in, impact-focused and human-centered. I want to make sure I, – I, I've worked with this um, – this company before called Human or Human, and they are outstanding. And they just pull, push. You know, these are humans you're working for. They're not yeah. pawns. They're not checkers. They're not. Uh, they're just not toys. They're actually human people, and we have to meet and work with the human in mind. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can talk about making a difference, you can take action to make a difference, or you can join DBE in doing both. Until next time, stay blessed and be inspired. DBE Magazine Why excellence and exceptional DBE Diverse